Jackson season one episode four is over but we are just getting started here on post show recaps I am Adam H here with you episode after episode making my way all the way to St. Louis just for this episode I took such a trip to get on the ground knowledge firsthand experience of the the things happening in this episode I'm putting in the work for you dear listeners of post recaps okay that's just what we do here on this podcast we put in the work melissa traveled all the way to where they film and shoot the locations. i went on site okay i had to put in that extra work i got on site um we're just that's what we're doing melissa right that is how we serve you on this podcast yeah it's been the master plan the whole time truly when you know post show recaps is like who's going to cover this show they're like okay well clearly we need our vancouver correspondent we need our st louis correspondent who cares about the rest of their credentials they're in the right places it's really location 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 right if i have learned anything by obsessively playing monopoly go for the past four months it is location 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 build baby build that's all we got to do here um wow what a great time this is what a what a fun experience these uh for first four episodes have been and thankfully we are not alone here for this fourth episode we have had some tremendous guests along the way uh as we will continue to do so throughout the run of this uh the the uh the mother of maybe the mother of monsters if we count some of the godzilla a monarch legacy of monsters coverage it is todd todd like brain how are you uh i'm doing pretty good adam i i feel like a slacker compared to you two i did not you know move to a location that has been filmed in this show so far so and i i don't believe they'll be going to texas anytime soon uh but you never know i mean there could be deviations from the source material enough but yeah i'm i'm here happy to talk about a show based on something that i was obsessed with as a kid greek mythology so wow greek mythology really did have its moment uh i i certainly think around a, a time period we've had plenty of discussions about this uh throughout the discord plenty of discussions in the book club as well which by the way right at the top of the podcast first and foremost if you are not subscribed to our percy jackson coverage what are you doing? What are you? What are you? What are, what, are, what are you doing here? We are here with you every single episode, uh, week after week. Uh, Postrecaps.com/slash/subscribe. And if you want to join in on this elusive book club, the only podcast on Postrecaps where I willingly admit that I am wrong about things. Okay, there's only one. And it's on that, not this podcast. You might think it's this podcast. No, it's that podcast. You need to become a patron of Poster Recaps, patreon.com slash Poster Recaps. You can sign up there and you can have access to the book club podcast for Percy Jackson, where we will have uh, some very, very fun uh, special guests. I guess I'm actually very, very excited about here for episodes three and four. I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely stoked to get on there and talk about the difference between the uh, the show and the book here. Um, that'll be every two episodes. So that'll be episode three and episode four. This podcast, however, just for episode four, I plunge to my death is the episode title here um so again make sure you follow us we're here every single episode uh we're already basically halfway done with the series a little sad uh honestly a little sad because this show is flying by it is flying by so quickly and we're just doing the best that we can to keep up here todd so glad to have you here i would love to just start off this conversation with your history of the series the books the the movie that was uh, released a while back what's your history of percy jackson what got you into this and and what's the draw here for you uh, so I was a little old for the books when they came out. It wasn't necessarily in the target demographic. I was 30 when the first book came out. So it wasn't really part of my childhood. I don't have a lot of nostalgia that way. I did. I've read the first two books. 
Beasts uh, when they first came out. And then I kind of fell off, not because I didn't enjoy them, but just because uh, other things got in the way. But I have actually gone back and reread the first two, and today I actually started the third one. Oh. So I'm planning on going through and reading all the books now. But yeah, I, uh, the thing that got me uh, into it was because, like I mentioned, I was a huge, like, Greek mythology nerd when I was a little kid. I read, I had Bullfinch's mythology and I read that book till the cover was falling off. I was obsessed with uh, Clash of the Titans, which was an 80, the 80s version, all about the myth of Perseus, uh, fighting Medusa and all of that type of stuff. So I was really into the Greek mythology. And so whenever I read the first Percy Jackson book, what really like impressed me was it didn't just go for like the, the you know the number one hits he didn't just go for like the the mythological creatures that everybody knows you know he went for some kind of obscure stuff there in the margins as well and i was very very excited never i saw that because you know you people were refer to medusa all the time and like the big olympian gods and stuff but once you get to the guy who like a, uh, cuts people's feet off if they're too long for the bed or whatever that type of myth you know then it's like okay yeah you're getting into the nitty-gritty of stuff here uh yeah the, the nitty-gritty or, or you know oh uh, I, I would be my feet would be gone if that were me just by the way not one time have i ever laid on a bed and been like yeah this is this is the perfect height for me this is such a great time um melissa i know you can relate to that really really well right your feet are constantly hanging off the bed yeah i'm sorry i'm confused is our beds too high for you too short for you I, I don't even understand what this problem is that you have with beds <laughs> what a luxury it is to to live your life melissa truly what i mean i cannot even you don't even know the privilege that you have of being not too tall for a bed like legitimately my own bed the bed that i call my own that i sleep in every single night if i were to lay like end to end my feet would be just off the edge of it like truly it is it's, it's a wild thing to be over uh six feet tall and you might think what a brag adam on the podcast i'm saying i don't even fit on my own bed like that's uh, anyway i wish i i wish i was shorter that'd be great to be shorter um dara o'brien has a stand-up bit that i has lived rent free in my brain for like well over a decade now but it's where he he's talking to someone in the audience who is a furniture salesman and he asks him what's the biggest bed he's ever sold and he describes a seven foot by seven foot bed and dara goes off on like the whole thing about what giant would need a seven by seven foot bed uh so it sounds like uh, that giant is adam me this guy <laughs> right here a seven foot by seven foot bed I, that's the dream. I couldn't even fathom having that much space on a bed. While we were, we were away in Indiana. I think I, some people got to see me in a different place. We were in my aunt and uncle's like second house, whatever. They have a king size bed. And that was the height of luxury, like truly a king size bed. I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if I'll ever be able to get to a king size bed, but like even that was still not even like tall enough for me. It was, it was certainly like, you know, wider. I don't, I don't think it was any taller I don't know. I don't know what bed dimensions are. Whoever came up with it was like five foot nothing and was like, this will work. That's the, the, whoever came up with the bed. That is that's who they were. And I, I'm not a huge fan. Wow. I can't believe I was able to derail the podcast this early on with something that didn't even happen in this episode. So I, I feel honored. That's a fair point, Todd. We really should. Um, we really should be getting into this here. Season one, episode four of Percy Jackson. I plunge to my death very ominous uh very ominous title considering dramatic um, 
yeah, really, um, not something not something that I would be very interested in doing here. But we open up with a uh, younger Percy in a uh, pool taking these swimming lessons with with his mom, and he's kind of struggling. He's not, you know, not very good in the water. Here is young Percy, and is and is just trying to, you know, do his best. And I'm like, you gotta, you need to do this. Um, you have to be able to swim because one day. It might be so important for you to do this, and I will not be there to do it. And she's kind of like freaking out here a little bit. And Percy's like, breathe, just breathe, mom. Um, his mom is putting a lot of pressure on him uh, for, for this whole swimming thing. And you think he'd be a little bit more, uh, in, uh, you know, um, uh, aquatically inclined, if you will, here. That being said, Melissa, the way that my parents taught me to swim was here you go, uh, throw you into the pool and you better learn how to swim or else you are just, <laughs> I don't think they were actually going to let me die, but that was basically what happened was, here you go, you're, this is how you're going to learn how to swim. That's so dramatic. There, something tells me that maybe baby Adam doesn't have like the most 100% accurate memory. This is how my parents tell and- the story. This isn't even, this isn't even my, I don't remember this. This is how my parents tell the story of them teaching me how to swim. They're proud of it. That might be a so maybe one. the dramatic apple doesn't fall far from the dramatic <laughs> tree is all I'm saying here. Listen, sometimes the tree so is... So when you're, when you're teaching a little kid how to swim, first of all, Mama Jackson is like real intense here and she needs to she needs to calm down. Um, I get that she feels very... This is a very important lesson to learn. But the first thing you do for little kids when they're learning how to swim is you just, you let them hold on to the side and then you just practice blowing bubbles. And they learn how to hold their breath underwater and how to blow bubbles underwater. And it's like the first like three times you're in the water, it's just it's just blowing bubbles with little floaties on. Like you don't need to immediately be like, learn how to do, swim and otherwise you're going to die. Like that's too much, too much. Melissa, I would recommend that you uh, toughen up here a little bit. Uh, <laughs> Todd, Todd, how did you learn how to swim? Uh, barely. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I was probably just as scared of the oh, water no. as little Percy was, uh, but I definitely was a uh, closer to the Melissa end of things than the Adam end of things. My parents were not about to throw a little scaredy cat Todd into the middle of the water. They, they knew me well enough to know that that would not have worked. I would have been flipping out if they had done that. Uh, yeah. It took. I w- it wasn't until I was an adult where I was able to actually like go underwater without holding my nose. I was so freaked out at the thought of even going underwater and blowing the bubbles and stuff. It just like I never could do it till I got a lot older. Yeah, I, I still know some people that will like, uh, you know, hold their nose as they jump into the pool. Admittedly, it looks a little silly, but whatever it takes for you to, you know, whatever, you, whatever you got to do, just, you know, live your life. Uh, you know, someday it might be very important. Although I will say um, being scared of swimming, maybe it doesn't make a ton of sense for Percy here, though. Uh, being scared of this uh, vision that happens right afterwards is he goes back and he and he sort of, you know, sees this uh, this uh, figure. I'm not, I'm not sure exactly what I want to call it yet here as we're kind of talking this through. Um, but it does say a forbidden child attracts attention and doom. She is coming. That is as ominous as it gets. That is very scary here. Um, and as we are, we're sort of seeing this voice happen very, very frequently here, um, throughout the, throughout the run of this show, but the, she is coming is, um, obviously very foreboding for what is to be coming here. But, uh, uh, Melissa, what do you make of this voice? How is this sort of like, dream sequence been working for you throughout this throughout the show um i don't know that i really understood it and i don't know that i under like 
is this supposed to be even now that we've seen the whole episode like is this referring to echidna is this referring to somebody else that we have yet to see on this show i don't know which is fine we're only four episodes in like we're at the halfway mark i don't need all of the answers at this point um but it did just sort of like happen very quickly and then go and i was like i don't know what that was okay moving on with the story that i understand like i didn't give it a lot of thought because i just was like well i didn't understand that and i'm probably not supposed to okay never mind and i just like immediately let it go yeah and that's sort of what happened uh at the uh the montauk sequence as well when we just kind of got there we were like let's have the voice let's do the vision thing and then okay, we got other stuff to do. Like, let's just move on here. I think that's okay still at this point. It's maybe something we can talk about a little bit more um, in book club, but not even know all the answers is what I would like to refer to as the Percy special, because as he wakes up here uh, and, and he's on a training to, you know, talking to <laughs> Annabeth about uh, Thalia, which have we had this conversation before? Thalia versus Talia. I mean, I have been saying Talia since the the first moment I read these books and, and in the show, this is Thalia. So I, I don't know if that's like something to, to, you know, talk about or be interested in there though. No. Todd, did you say Thalia or Talia? I said Thalia. Okay. So it's just me. It's just me. That's, yeah. Uh, I mean, the, Talia. yeah, the TH in it just made me go Thalia. Uh, so something, something Greek. There's TH. an H in it and you said Talia. Yeah. I, I like, uh, like Thai food, you know? Like, uh, I don't know. There's, there's gotta be other examples of TH being a hard T, right? I, I'm sure there are. I'm not a linguist. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Um, anyway, is, uh, you know, talking about her history with Thalia, apparently Luke was very easy to, you know, kind of get along with and gain some respect, but Thalia made her earn that respect. And Percy kind of, uh, is a little frustrated here. He's like, this doesn't make any sense. Okay. The offerings of it all, the fact that I have to like stand up to Clarice, the bully and, and all of that, just for my father to actually claim me, this isn't supposed to work that way. That's not like how people who care about each other are supposed to treat each other. And Annabeth, uh, first of all, to this point, I'm like, yes, Percy, that is like a so accurate and correct. There's like a lot of issues here pop off. And then Annabeth was like, okay, Percy, you might be right, but also that's how everyone works. And I'm like, dang that is tough that is a tough <laughs> lesson to learn but also it's a little true these young children do have a lot of perspective here that maybe you would not expect the young children to have but such is the life of a demigod as annabeth starts to kind of talk about her past and that she started out as a gift um until her father met another woman and then uh, she was not really viewed as a as a gift anymore it's not really the gods who think that way percy it's everyone um what an interesting story here todd what'd you make of annabeth's story in the way that she is revealing this to percy i thought it was really interesting uh the fact that annabeth was born as a thought that athena had a connection with her dad and athena had a thought because athena is traditionally known as a virgin goddess and so it makes sense that she would you know know be born in a way different than uh you know traditional human births and also athena herself was born from zeus's head like that's basically how athena was born like zeus's head cracked open and athena sprung out so for her children to be kind of the same thing to come from her mind i think is like very thematically uh you know sound so i thought that was like a really interesting thing but and the fact that she was given as a gift is also interesting that athena is like okay yeah here uh, i've had this connection with you and so because of the connection here's a child and then goes off on her merry way so yeah it's an interesting gift but a uh maybe some chocolates instead i don't know <laughs> I, it doesn't sound like uh annabeth's dad was really prepared 
for a child. <laughs> I think the gift might have been one that, uh, or he might have been prepared at first until his a uh, new wife came along. But uh, yeah, I thought it was really interesting. I knew some of Annabeth's backstory from reading the the books, but aspects some aspects of this were things that were new to me. Yeah, and it's interesting as we kind of go through these main characters, a lot of the backstories in the books will like continue to be talked about throughout more books. And it's not like it's all just 100% dumped right in the first one. And so, I, you know, we'll maybe talk about that in book club a little bit, although admittedly, probably not like a ton. Um, however, uh, in response to all of this, we ask if Grover is still up and Grover is the grouchiest goose that I've ever seen. Oh, my goodness. He is just the worst in the morning. Also. This is this is like a live shot of me every single morning of just like, please, dear God, do not wake me up. This is the worst thing that could ever possibly happen. Melissa, how grouchy are you on a normal morning? Um, okay, I'm not grouchy in the morning, but if you ask me to like do things pre-coffee, that mm -hmm. is the problem. And so like and and even then, like it really depends on what people are asking of me. If you're just like there handing me coffee or you know doing your own thing leaving me alone great we're gonna get along no problem it's the moment like i had this drive i used to drive a friend of mine into work we like carpooled together into first year university and we had like 8 30 a.m calculus class and we had to catch the bus part of the way so it was like we were getting up you know we were on the road like you know 6 30 in the morning and this guy would try to talk to me about like deep like philosophical questions as i am driving him to the bus stop in the morning and at one point i just had to tell him like i can either get us there safely in this moving vehicle or i can answer your questions i don't think i can do both at the same time so you get to choose which of these two things you would like me to do right now um but i i think i and so that's about like that's kind of the grouchiest that i think i get although maybe other people um might beg to differ i don't know <laughs> Uh, you know, uh, it, it certainly happens. Uh, save your long, uh, deep conversations for when both parties are ready to have them. Okay, not in the morning pre-coffee. That that is just a disaster, um, and not just because I am mentally, emotionally, and physically addicted to coffee. Okay, that's not the that's not the reason. It's part of the reason, but it's not the full reason. Um, anyway, we have two days until our deadline here. Is there on the train? That's plenty of time. They're gonna be fine. So I mean, two days, you can do so much in two days. Um, Percy starts to ask some logistical questions like, Hey, um, well, once we get to LA, cause you haven't been there and you haven't been there and I haven't been there. Where do we go? What are we going to do? And also remember how the Oracle basically said that we're going to fail. Um, that's wild. What should we do about that? Percy like really starts to ask some like real questions about the state of the mission. Um, and Annabeth is, you know, kind of about to respond until they see some centaurs, uh, out, um, you know, out on the, their train ride. It's a, a scenic view here. They see a bunch of centaurs and Grover says, there used to be herds of them everywhere. Um, you know, a few thousand years ago, the God of the wild pan disappeared. And ever since then, humans have kind of been chipping away at the natural state of, uh, you know, the natural world here. And uh, satyrs, the greatest satyrs, rather, have volunteered as searchers to find Pan to try and, you know, uh, restore the restore the natural balance here. And uh, apparently Uncle Ferdinand was a searcher as well. And I just have to say, what amazing seating that we did here on the podcast, Melissa, to bring up Pan as the god of the pod. 
Yeah, we did that. It was great. Uh, it'll happen again later on this episode as well. We are very uh, forward thinking on this podcast, totally on purpose. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, we we have to claim it was on purpose. Okay, no one else knows that it was just an accident. And we hadn't exactly reread those parts of the book while the time we chose the God yet. Okay, we have to we have to at least pretend that it was on purpose. Anyway, <laughs> we uh, we get some answers from Annabeth to those questions that Percy was asking before, and and you know, she was like, "Listen, the Oracle could mean a lot of things." Okay, first of all, we'll figure out the whole LA situation. I'm not even worried about that, but the Oracle part. Okay, you think it said that it was going to fail, but let's uh, listen. Uh, you need to stop thinking so hard because you know what? The harder you work to understand, the harder it is to understand. Todd, if we didn't have a scene later that absolutely, like, uh, you know, uh, made me just jump for joy at, at how good the acting was, this would be my favorite line of the episode. I loved this from Annabeth. This is what we had been saying basically the whole time. This Oracle's like, listen, the Oracle is going to be deceptive and mischievous and misleading in some capacity. And it was like, chill out, Percy. Okay, it's going to be fine. This doesn't mean what you think it's going to mean. Stop trying to think about it the whole time. And let's just do the mission. Yeah, uh, I'm glad that they finally addressed that aspect of prophecy because it's like a age old trope that the prophecy doesn't mean what you think it means. And whenever people try to thwart the prophecy, they're just going to make the prophecy come true. That happens, happens so much. Lots of Greek tragedies are built around people learning what their fate is and then trying to circumvent their fate. And that just leads to their fate. I believe the original Perseus actually like the whole uh, was like he and his mother were thrown into the ocean because of a prophecy that he would kill the king and it led to him eventually killing the king you know so it's like just very much like yeah if you try to avoid your fate it's just going to cause the fate to happen but also what the fate say you know the prophecy says doesn't necessarily mean what you think it means and so yeah i'm really glad that they address it this way and i thought that annabeth did a really good job of you know explaining it in a way that's like yeah this is what the fate this is what fate does this is what prophecies do you just gotta not let it get in your head just do what you need to do and let it just sort it out just like you know she said you just have like you said like the the harder you work to understand the harder it gets to understand you just have to like wait and let it come to you so yeah i thought that was like a really really fun moment there yeah, I also have to say, as we go into 2024, the one thing that I would like to implement more of with this, the harder you work to understand, the harder it gets to understand. Melissa, I think we should start bringing that energy to Doctor Who a little bit, eh? I, re I really think we could use some of this energy uh, on that podcast. Stop trying to understand everything. It's fine. Don't work so hard. No. So I was going to say this whole thing is like poor Percy is getting this, you know, bad news all over the place. And Annabeth's whole thing is like, just chill out, bro. It'll be fine. It'll work itself out. Don't worry about it so much. And like every anxious cell in my body is like, could never be me. I don't understand. So no, it's never going to happen. Uh, I don't think. I, don't th I think it would, first of all, I think it would make for a pretty boring podcast. So don't worry about it. Um, but also just, yeah, no, it's never been my vibe in any way to just be like, set thing work. Do you know what? Some people know I don't need to be, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Don't, you don't need to look it up. You don't need to figure it out. You don't need to understand how things are going. What do you, what kind of a person do you think I am, Adam? Have we never met before? <laughs> Listen, I, I'm just saying this is the kind of energy that I am going to be working to bring to all of the podcasts that I'm on. Some weird, complicated thing happens that we don't need to know about. That's not my business, okay? That's 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 between other people. That's between the doctor and God, for all I care. That's not that's none of my business to get involved there. I don't need to know. Okay, <laughs> I do. <laughs> 
anyway, it's at that point that a cop shows up and is like, hey, um, can I see your tickets? And I was like, are we on the Polar Express right now? Um, we're looking we're, Why is we're there looking, a cop on this train? I, I don't know. This this uh, this seemed to be like a, sometimes they have like marshals on planes or something like that. And they, I, I don't know. I don't know. Cops are everywhere and it's a real problem. But that's, I, that's all I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have more commentary there that I uh, am going to get into. Anyway, he shows them back to uh, the cabin in the back of the train, and it is completely busted up. The windows are smashed. The beds are, like, all torn over. They're, it's just open to the outside. And my first thought is, why are we just, like, standing here? Okay, what if one of them gets, like, sucked out the side of the train in the window? Like, this is a very dangerous <laughs> situation. Um, have you? Uh, I, I don't know. It's like an airplane. If it gets... What do you mean? Why are you both giving me this look? People can see this. This is a video podcast. People can see. By the way, if you don't yeah. know, this is a video podcast. You can actually, uh, you know, watch a video. Patreon.com slash bullshit recaps. We'll, we'll be there, baby. Um, what are you both giving me a look for? What if they got sucked out of the side of the train? What if they accidentally fell? Percy's a, 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 a clumsy boy. How how much suction do you think there is on a speeding train? Not zero. It's not zero. Okay. <laughs> I don't know physics that well, but I know it's not zero. Force. Yeah, but momentum. Sideways yeah, but gravity. It's, it's it's air pressure on a plane. It's like the, the air pressure differential whenever it first happens and it breaks and then all the air goes rushing out to equalize the pressure. That's what sucks people out of the plane. On the speeding train, not so much. At sea level, not so much. I'm just saying there's a giant hole in the side of a train that is moving quickly. They could fall. Plus the it, plus the swirling they're, air. They're, they're not even in the room. room. They're not even the same room. They're in the hall. It's right looking there. Looking through the room to the broke a broken window. I'm just saying someone could have fallen out there. It's a very dangerous situation. And we it's really... Like, um, it's not even that big of a hole, first of all. It's like a pretty <laughs> oh small window. Second of all, Adam, two seconds ago, you were like, I don't need to understand how things work. And now we're like, this is why you need to understand how things work. Because <laughs> what you're saying is ridiculous. Well, what I'm saying is ridiculous is is also one of the models I'm taking with me into 2024 as we uh, go. <laughs> As we go, go throughout this podcasting journey here together. Um, anyway, they're in this cabin, and uh, you know, they're, they're the cops are trying to ask these kids the questions because they're they evidently think that the kids are the one that, that did this. Of course, this is their cabin, and Annabeth's like, Hey, are we under arrest right now? And he's like, You better not take that tone with me. And she's like, Are we under arrest right now? And pop the f off annabeth like come on one time girl todd i love this from her this was a great annabeth episode my favorite part of this is he says you know don't take that tone with me little girl and the death glare she gives him when he calls her a little girl which is chef's kiss it was just mm. like beautiful because like because she said it once and she's kind of like you know okay are we under arrest and he says that and that's never she doubles down and gets that that look on her face she's like are we under arrest and it's just like it was so good. But yeah, just, just the look on her face and he called her little girl. Like, ooh, he didn't know who he was messing with. Yeah, maybe we don't ever need to call anyone little girl. Just full stop. Maybe that's just a thing that we could just never do again to anyone. Even if they are actually like a little girl objectively. Like, even if they, maybe we just don't need to use that terminology or, or language. I don't know. Just a thought, especially maybe if uh, you're a cop. I don't know. Just uh, saying, okay, we'll move on very quickly from that. Anyway, they say that they have an eyewitness as to uh, what occurred here. They heard, you know, all the all the kind of explosions, or whatever, and then they heard the sound of children 
I'm like, oh, monster alert. Here we go. Here we go. And they're kind of talking over at a table on the other side of the car. And Gorber's like, okay, they were probably looking for something. They kind of tore it up. They were looking for something. Percy's like, what could they be looking for? I don't know, Percy. Maybe the Master Bolt. That's the whole thing. That's what they're after you for. They think that you stole it. And Percy's like, well, we don't have it, thankfully. So there's, you know, they can't actually get anything because we don't even have it. But of course, they're still going to look for it. And then as they're talking, we see the fingers of a woman tap Annabeth on the shoulder and she kind of turns around and who should it be? But Suzanne Cryer, welcome to the show. Oh my gosh. And this is where things absolutely popped off this episode as she asked to take a seat and we get one of the most electric conversations I have ever seen in television this year easily one of my favorite scenes uh here in 2024 thus far for sure <laughs> without question um i know i say that as a joke but like legitimately i think this this was this was so good i really did love it let's talk about this um on the other side of a break we will be right back Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in education into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. What's up, sandwich heads? Today on Steve O's Sandwich Reviews, we've got the tips and tricks to the best sandwich order. And it all starts with this little guy right here Pepsi Zero Sugar. Partial to pastrami, craving a Cubano. Yeah, sounds delicious, but boom! Add the crisp, refreshing taste of Pepsi Zero Sugar and cue the fireworks. Lunch, dinner, or late night, it'll be a sandwich worth celebrating. Trust me, your boy's eaten a lot of sandwiches in his day, and the one thing I can say with absolute fact every bite is better with Pepsi. We're back. What a conversation that we're about to dive into. Um, I have so much of this written down because like I, I was just obsessed with this. She like delivered this in a way that was outstanding and spectacular. So we're going to, we're, I mean, we're going to talk about all of this here. So she kind of, you know, sits down with the kids. She also has this bag that you know has an animal on it. She's one of those people that travels with their, with their pets, either a dog or a, you know, can or whatever those people are. Don't bring them on planes, but that's all I'm saying. Anyway, she begins. Don't children get scared when they're all alone. Don't worry. I'm a mother. I know how scared you must be. And she kind of, you know, goes to goes to her pet bag and sues the creature a little bit. Grover then sees glass on her jacket. And they know that, you know, she's the one that's responsible for the window. And the creature begins to stir a little bit. And she whispers over, you're impatient. But we're almost there. <sighs> it isn't your fault, she says. But sadly, you're going to have to bear the burden of your parents' mistakes today. And accuses her of being a monster here. Monsters like me? Well, of course they're like me. They were my children. This is Echidna, the mother of monsters. Monster is an odd word. 
considering my grandmother is your great-grandmother. And this has always been a family story. But to my eye, the demigod is the more dangerous creature, disruptive, violent. If I exist for anything, it is to stand in the way of monsters like you. My little one here, she's just a pup now, bless her heart. Today, you will be her prey. Are you afraid yet? It's all right. Fear is natural. It's also essential to the hunt. The fear, your doubt, your confusion. I needed you to understand what was happening so that she could track the scent. So that she could learn and grow. Because, after all, it's what a good mother does for her children. Not that you would know. You should run now. And we see the creature explode from the bag and stab Percy right in the shoulder as he gets a little neater. And then Annabeth pulls out her dagger and stabs the creature down. Melissa, I was obsessed with this scene. I loved it so much. Uh, so if any of you before have not been terrorized by Adam uh, and attacked, you know, deeply emotionally by him before in Dungeons and Dragons in some way, that's a little bit about what of what it's like. And it's terrifying. And he enjoys it just as much as he enjoyed reciting all of that just now. So that sent uh, a lot of memories through my brain of that kind of very similar kind of intonation and kind of... Uh, drawing out of all the words yeah it's uh just as creepy as echidna is on screen it was so good it was incredible um uh, and i absolutely had no idea when i mentioned her last recap pod that she was gonna come <laughs> up on this episode so that was so awesome this is medusa's sister apparently no. mother. uh i'm you know learning mother okay uh amazing yeah th this was so good <laughs> I'm just obsessed, Todd, like truly. And I, I'm also curious because you probably know Suzanne Cryer more than I do. I know her from a bunch of like guest appearances and random stuff. What did you think of this? What did you think of this scene? Yeah, uh, so I kind of know her. I, I was looking up like she was really familiar to me, but I started looking through everything she's been on. And there, she's been on lots of shows. A bunch of been shows I haven't watched a mm. ton of. Like she was on Silicon Valley, but I don't think I, I watched like the first season mm -hmm. of Silicon Valley. And I don't know if she was on the first season or not. I don't really remember uh, she was on Two Guys, a Girl in a Pizza Place at some point, apparently. So that's probably where I knew her from the most. Uh, but uh, regardless, she just killed it. She just knocked out of the park. This is like such an interesting take on on Echidna. Uh, I really, really enjoyed it. I really uh, thought like the monologue was great. Uh, again, going into the thing we talked about, you guys talked about before. Uh, with the Medusa, but all like, you know, what is a monster? And like, not judging things, you know, and her saying like, oh yeah, I might be a monster, but you, you half-bloods, you're the real monsters. You're so, you're the ones that are destructive and disruptive. Not my sweet little child that's about to, you know, destroy a train and, you know, do all this stuff. But no, we're, we're part of the natural order where you're, you're not. Uh, it's just, just so good. And, uh, I, I loved it. And Echidna is like an interesting figure because Echidna is like, like uh, Melissa mentioned before, like the mother of uh, Medusa. She's also the mother of Cerberus, the three-headed dog that guards like the gates of Hades. She's the mother of the Hydra. She's the mother of the Sphinx. She's the mother of uh, 
the Nemean lion, uh, Scylla, like all of these big mythological uh, creatures, like really big, well-known things are all supposed to be the children of Echidna. So that's like mother of monsters is like what she's known as because of her prodigious brood of monstrous things. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, I loved her little creature in the bag, too, as sort of like this unknown of like what's going to pop out of there. We'll talk about this at, at length in the Book Club podcast of some of the differences. The, the one thing that I'll just say right off the bat, the agency that they gave this character and like allowing her to have this space and have the moment is a pretty dramatic difference from the book. And I think it's one of my favorite changes the show has made this far. This is, I think this is uh, a top tier change. I agree a thousand percent. I think this is plus my favorite episode of the show so far, I think, and largely because of this, like just a massive change, a, a getting a lot more energy and like you said, agency to the character, but just a, uh, the way that it's all plays out is just has so much more meaning. I feel like, especially diving to the themes of the show than what happened in the book with the same character. Uh, again, you'll probably get into more in book club and the book. I feel is more just like, okay, it's the, the bump in the road we have to get past for this chapter. Whereas here it actually is speaking to a lot of the bigger themes of, of the series. It feels like, and I think it's like just some, a great change uh, to the material. And it's really interesting. Uh, again, I, I hate to keep saying that we'll talk about it in a book club, but I want you to be, uh, in, you know, motivated to get into the book club podcast by the patreon.com slash social recap. Come join the fun. Come join the book club. That's where you hear these full length conversations. Um, it really does seem that they had some themes that they wanted for the show. And then the adaptations that they made and the character changes they made were all in service to the themes and conversations they wanted to have in this show. And I, I, I really, I really commend them for it. I think, I think there's some really amazing changes here um anyway annabeth uh does stab the creature gets it gets a, gets a little scolding from mother uh as it uh, gets back in the bag and she's like listen uh you're uh, get ahead of yourself there okay and then the the kids start to run off and i i i really love this shot as well we kind of run down the hall the kids are running they're followed by the cops and we see the whole train car kind of shift as this sort of rando family is like looking out the window of their train car um and they see this tiny little dog, this tiny little, I think it's a chihuahua. I don't really know dog breeds, although I'll just tell you right now. I think that, that dog could basically have been Belle and it would have made all the sense in the world. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's just, you know, call, call, call it what it is here. Um, it runs along and the train car kind of shifts and they go, you know, from, from car to car. Um, up ahead, Percy kind of finds this stinger in his shoulder and is like, okay, well, what's this? What what kind of creature has a stinger in it? And Grover's like, uh, I don't know, but it's probably not good. Thanks for the great, great analysis there, Grover. So that's so good for you. Um, but they have to find some safety and they were able to, you know, get off the train car, but they're being hunted. They have to find some safety. And where are they? Where should they be? But the the grand city of St. Louis, Missouri. And all I have to say to that is good luck finding some safety in downtown St. Louis. That is <laughs> not something that is uh, plentiful nor easy to access. So have fun uh, doing that. But evidently, the the the, you know, the grand hallmark of St. Louis is if you've never been to St. Louis, you probably only know one thing about it is the arch, of course. And apparently that arch is a temple to Athena. Um, and they sort of, you know, talk about the arch a little bit here. Um, Melissa, outside of the fact that I currently live here, what what things do you know about St. Louis? Um, 
that it's in Missouri, which is in the United States. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, It's kind of in the middle of the United States. Um, that I'm tapped. I, I yeah, that's I've never okay. even heard of this arch before. I have no idea. I'm oh, sorry. Never, really? Also, okay. I have a real question here. Do we think this was actually filmed in St. Louis? Because I have a theory that the inside here is actually the Vancouver Planetarium uh, because I have been there. Also, as they're walking down this alley and the cyclist went by, that was the other tip off for me that I'm like, they're in Vancouver right now. This does not look like Missouri. <laughs> Yeah, uh, people are not cycling in in downtown St. Louis. I tell you that. I, I I did not like look this up or do any. We should do this for the book club podcast. There's no way they're in St. Louis. There, nothing about this was filmed in St. Louis. I can basically promise yeah. you that. Not the inside nor the outside of the arch. They got a few things. I mean, we'll whatever. We'll t- we can talk about. It. They got like a few things correct in terms of some of like the displays and presentations. They're like, and the tram a- and everything. Yeah, <laughs> there like is a fountain outside of there. There's like a little park like okay like some of the stuff is like clearly someone someone in charge of production has been to st louis at some point in their life or they they've seen a picture it. yeah i don't know they've seen something they have their brother lives here or something i don't know but um that's that's like about it none of this was filmed in st louis i can basically promise you that um of course i could be wrong but where's the only place where i'm gonna admit that i'm wrong on the book club podcast. On, <laughs> on the book club podcast. That is exactly correct. Good job, Todd. Um, anyway, uh, the temple or the arch is a temple to Athena, all the perfect symmetry. Uh, it's just held up by math. There's no other support. And um, uh, it's true. I mean, everything we're saying about the arch is, is like technically true here. It's kind of a wild thing. Um, and they, they, they basically ensure themselves they're safe there because this is a temple to Athena. And so no like monsters or evil creatures or whatever can get inside because it's a temple. Grover kind of wanders off to find some new tickets. He's very, you know, very um, sure-footed here that uh, even though they're prey, it doesn't mean they have to abandon the mission or stop doing anything. Good for you, Grover. Keep up the keep up the energy, keep the spirit, I guess, you know, pop off. And Percy has this conversation with Annabeth and is like, you know, is, is Athena around? Like, could we, you know, call on her? Or could we, you know, do anything with her? Not really. Um, and then she responds with, what I think is probably the most egregious line of the whole episode and says, this is uh, my mother's place, but a temple is a temple. So uh, you could just say hi to your dad here. Todd, I nearly threw up at this. I, I think I may have yelled at the TV when that happened. Like, I basically heard it to come from Annabeth. If Percy had said this, if Percy had said, why don't I, I mean, it's a temple, it's a temple. Why don't I pray to my dad? It would make sense because Percy has like a very tenuous grasp on all this Greek god stuff at this point in time. Even though his mom supposedly told him all these stories never he was growing up, he still doesn't really seem to know what's going on most of the time. But Annabeth, daughter of Athena, <laughs> goddess of wisdom, the one who is always like, you know, knows everything about everything, to say, well, this temple to one Greek god, surely you can use that to worship another Greek god. Ma'am, I'm sorry, <laughs> what? It's like like the one thing we know about the Greek gods is they are very, very jealous. Like the whole story of Medusa. Granted, they didn't get into it, the details on the show, but the whole reason we just got a uh, turn is not because it happened in her temple. Uh, it happened in, in Athena's temple. That's why she changed Medusa. Uh, yeah, this line just, just uh, hurt my head. Especially because she follows it up with, what could it hurt? 
it can hurt a lot. It can, there could be smiting involved. There would be lots of smiting from Athena towards Percy if he tried to pray to a god that Athena apparently hates as well. It's, again, it's not just like it's one of Athena's allies. Annabeth can't even stand Percy in the beginning because he's Poseidon's kid. But here we have, oh yeah, just pray to your god, pray to your dad. It's fine. I it hurt my head. It, it hurt my head brain. so much. Like it just made no sense to me. And uh, you know, we talk about smiting. Melissa, I'm surprised that Athena didn't smite down Annabeth right here. Yeah, I mean, we literally just learned, and you know, maybe they didn't go into as much of it in the show. And now I'm mixing up what we know from the show and what we've talked about. But basically, Poseidon and Medusa did the nasty in Athena's temple, and she never forgave her for it. And basically, there's been a lot of women blaming uh, in this story as well. Athena, girl, we got to talk. Um, mm. But yeah, no, absolutely. There's no way in which this makes any sort of sense at all. And I agree, it, you could have had this line come out of Percy and have Annabeth be like, uh, dude, I don't think it's going to work that way. But also, I don't know. Um, I will say, though, this arch being a temple of Athena, though, is, again, the kind of stuff I shouted out in, I think it was the first book club pod where I just love it when, like, real world stuff is, like, retroactively explained through the world building of your story. I think that's so cool. Doctor Who does it all the time, and I shouted out there, but this just, this idea of, like, yeah, this, like, real thing that I assume is in St. Louis, uh, it's like, yeah, it, and then they retroactively make it make sense for Athena because it is just like this sort of kind of mathematical physical marvel here i think that's so awesome like this got me very excited enough that i almost didn't even freak out at the temple as a temple line <laughs> uh yeah the arch is definitely in st louis so i i i, I it's certainly real i didn't know that that was maybe something that people like didn't know about um maybe i'm just like such a midwestern guy that like all of the famous things in all the midwestern cities i'm just like yeah of course um i have been to the arch and inside the arch one time like that is a thing that you can do you can write it up and i'll, yeah. I'll talk about that in just a second um but uh as as we go in i will say the only defense of this line that i can even think of and it's not even a real defense is the fact that percy responds with no i don't really need anything from him he had his chance i did like that as a response from percy and like technically if he was the one that said the line then we wouldn't really need to get there we just didn't need the line at all okay just have percy be able to have that moment without you know a temple is a temple situation here in a bath okay we could we could have we gotten there but i did like this response from percy um you know he, his dad had, had had his chances and he chose not to take them so why why should percy care about this fair enough unfortunately what he should care about is the fact that there's poison coursing through his veins that's a real problem and so naturally, the way that we're going to solve this problem, let's get out uh, out of this little area here, out of this little presentation area, and get out to a fountain and just start splashing Percy's entire body in water. Not, not just the affected area. Now, mind you, this was one stinger in his shoulder. Let's dunk this man into this fountain and just splash like crazy. And I love the looks that everyone who is walking by gives them. Todd, I was cackling. Uh, this was such a great cut to this, like from the inside where Percy collapses. I'm like, oh, what are we going to do? I know. And then cut to them just like splashing on him in the fountain. And he just looks miserable and embarrassed. Like the look <laughs> on Percy's face is like, I just let me die. That's kind of the look on his face. This moment. Everyone's like walking by just staring at them. I, it was so funny. It was such a, such a great comedic beat uh, in the episode. Yeah. Melissa, would you like us to splash you with water outside in a public fountain ever? Would that be fun for you? 
Well, ha so have you ever been in an outdoor public fountain? Uh, we had one. Yeah, uh, we had one in college, actually. Showalter Fountain, yeah. right, like in the middle of college. And there used to be giant fish in there, like huge fish in there. But un but unfortunately, when our basketball team won a big game, someone stole a fish and then it was a whole thing and people got in trouble. For anyway, Um, but I have been like in a public. It still kept with water. It was very like pretty. People would like put their feet in there and be dressed on it. But never like this. I've never like been dunked in a public fountain where people splashed on me before. People are just putting their like bare ass feet in a public fountain. Uh, seems yeah. kind of gross. I mean, what's the difference okay. between that and like a beach? People put their um. I mean, bare the, the beach bodies is sort of more self cleaning than a fountain is. I don't know how. Uh, because it's the ocean. <laughs> because of the ocean, it's much bigger than a random fountain that is not self cleaning. That's I'm gonna not... just pretend that the that my college uh, cleaned the water. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna pretend like that yeah. was something that was happening, and I'm not gonna think about it because you know what? The harder that I try to understand, the harder it is to understand. Yeah, but first of all, okay, so you can't just like wash Percy's shoulder without you know you got to kind of dunk him all the way in, right? Like they were splashing water above his shoulder. Head. Yeah, fair enough. Um. No, I, I sort of understand their like panic of like, I don't know, we just got to get the shoulder wet. <laughs> it's just going everywhere. Um, I did just want to shout out. I truly love Percy's um, kind of th this kid seems like he has done some therapy. I love his like um, conversation around like, no, parents are just supposed to like love us. They're not supposed to have all these conditions. They're just supposed to love us. That's their whole deal. And it's like, yeah, Percy, that is their job. Good for you. And now this, where he's like, do you know what? He had his chance. That's on him. I was like, do you know what? Clap back. Like I'm, I am going to carry Percy Jackson vibes with me throughout my, the, throughout my entire life because somehow this kid has like figured it out better and 36 year old me is wandering around here with all this baggage and it's just and you know what i'm loving it from percy and the rest of these god kids really need to you know take a listen well yeah a lot of people could do with a lot of stuff here yeah percy's definitely uh, come a long way things that i have not even yet learned in my life is, is percy That's demonstrating right. in, in, like it's it's kind of ridiculous actually so you know good for him unfortunately as they're out in the fountain echidna is coming she is a, a real problem here she is dramatically walking towards uh towards the arch here and they're like okay we got to go in we got to go go to safety Annabeth hears something, and we'll get to that in just a second here as they go into the uh, area of the arch, kind of at the base there. And they're like, our plan, let's get up to the top, to the altar of the uh, goddess Athena, and let's ask for help. What could what could go wrong? Uh, okay. Inside the tiny little elevator they go, which, by the way, the elevator is very tiny as you are going up to, uh, in, inside the arch. It's very small um and very very uncomfortable so um before i like go into this part todd have you ever been in the arch of st louis yeah uh had a library conference in st louis uh, back in 2011 and uh went to the arch and a friend and i like went up to the top okay so was your experience similar to mine where it like freaked me out so bad because the elevator kind of like goes up at a at an arch angle i mean it has to go up the arch so it was like it was kind of on the side but then it like went up at a little bit of an angle and i was like oh my god we're gonna die when we get <laughs> and then it like was shaking not a, not like shaking shaking but like you could feel the sway is is what happened when i was there 
Yeah, I think that the sway definitely was a little disconcerting more than the angle was. Okay. My, my, it felt, it felt like so small. It felt like, like, I felt a little claustrophobic in it. Uh, cause we're like, we're all you know, kind of crammed in there. And it's just kind of like a, uh, and I was a little bit bigger at that point in time. I didn't lost much weight. <laughs> so I was uh, taking up a little bit more space. And yeah, that part of it feeling a little claustrophobic was uh, more than the angle or the, the sway. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's just maybe that I've never been in an elevator that was not I'm going up or I'm going down. Like it, it was <laughs> never a there was never any angles to be played with here. And there was on this one. The only it's the only elevator I've ever been in that's had any kind of like not just straight up or down angle. It's very weird. Melissa, would you ever go inside the arch when you come visit me in St. Louis in the next six months before I leave St. Louis? Uh, are we ever are we going to the arch? Is that a thing that we're doing? Absolutely. Uh, I would love to do that. But first of all, in order to get to the arch, like this arch in particular, uh, I just looked it up. It's my undergraduate university. So I actually think that you should come visit me and I can take you to where these this was actually filmed, apparently, uh, because I just looked it up. And St. Louis is, in fact, New Westminster. Uh, so I have been there. And the arch, the Museum of Natural History is, in fact, Simon Fraser University, where my undergrad. So there you go. But yes, if I'm in St. Louis, then I will go to the arch with you. Is there an arch there? Like, did you go up into an arch no. at your, this was, okay. No, but it is, um, it, it is built. So it's constructed by, uh, it, it's all like cement and it's all very, um, there's all, I, I can totally see the vibe of like the inside, the interior of this, as opposed to like, there's no, out, the outdoor I think is all CGI and, and like soundstage yeah. um, stuff done in Vancouver apparently. But yeah, it was, um, yeah, the inside of it, the, the kind of like cement walls and the small windows and stuff. Basically uh, it's my university was designed by an architect who also designs prisons and it's sort of meant a lot of people seem to think they have similar vibes. I also have given campus tours for people who were like very into architecture, who were very into the design of the whole campus. I particularly like it because it's specifically designed to like, hug, it's built on top of a mountain and it's meant to like hug the mountain so that as you're driving up, you don't actually see the school. You just see the like surrounding forest and kind of nature and stuff until you're like right up on it. This is a whole side thing. People don't care. Uh, but uh, yeah, anyway. This is, I was just looking that up and it was like, of all places this was filmed, I've been there. Um, the idea of something being a whole side thing, people don't care. That's not energy we are taking with us uh, in into the future here. I cannot, I, I can't deal with that. Okay. People either have to care or they have to get on board. I don't know. Um, Cause we're <laughs> going to keep going on the side tangents. That's for sure. Um, okay. So they're inside, they are going up this tiny little elevator and, and they, you know, sort of are, are, are able to go up. They're able to get to the top and the, uh, Grover kind of looks over and is like, was that? Was that a chimera with her? Was that and they're like, ah, oh, it's fine. Let's go up. And so we keep going up, and Annabeth does reveal that she was spoken to. Um, and and what she heard out there before was that it was her impertinence that wounded her mother's pride. Athena, you got some nerve having this wounded pride, and now this will be her doom. Melissa, this is a bad look for Athena. Yeah, like, girl, act like you've been there. You got to be cooler than this. This is just not, if you're this sensitive that a child can get under your skin, like, come on, you, how sensitive are you? This does not see, this does not make Athena look good at all. This is 100% like, girl, you got to get over this. You got to seem like this is not that big a deal because it is not that big a deal. 
And it wasn't even like her thing, Todd. It was Percy's idea to send the head. She just went along with it. Yeah, but she went along with it. And let's just say, you know, if you've read much Greek mythology, you know that being reasonable is not really the Greek god's forte. Uh, but let me tell you, whenever before we got to reveal what the uh, impertinence was, my first thought was, was it because she told uh, Percy to pray to Seriously? Was, was that the impertinence? I mean, it wasn't like, I kind of wish it was. I kind of wish that had been the impertinence. That would have made even, that would have made more sense to me than, than this. Uh, but yeah. It's it's like I said it's not a great look, but it's you know also really consistent with most of the gods' behavior. That yeah. a, uh, again, you know, like you know, the whole Medusa thing is because Athena got mad and you know couldn't take it out on Poseidon, so she took it out on Medusa. And so, so this is like okay, I might not be able to like punish Percy directly, but my daughter was involved, and so by saying I'm punishing her, I have a chance to get Percy punished because I can withdraw my protection, saying I'm going for Annabeth. But you know what? Percy's going to get in the way as well, and if I get that little thing taken care of, then the really impertinent kid is uh, out of the running as well. Maybe I can get a little digging at Poseidon at the same time. So win-win for Athena. Yeah, win-win for Athena. Except for the fact where she's like about to kill her own child, but you know. It happens, you know, it it happens uh, these days. What can you do, really? They get to the top of the arch. They go kind of over the the floor. They can see the little windows um, outside. Um, It's like a fine view this is uh, this is maybe not a hot take in terms of like sightseeing or monuments or whatever i hate when i am uh you know somewhere like a new place and i am sightseeing and i go to like a top of very high thing and i'm looking out but the thing that i'm standing on is like the big thing of that place so like in st louis the only thing that i really want to see in the skyline of st louis is the arch that's it. When I'm looking at a view of St. Louis, all I want to see is the arch. You know, the only thing I can't see if I'm standing on the arch, the arch, that's it. I have the same problem with the Eiffel Tower. In fact, it just makes no sense. Why am I looking out in the skyline of something for the only thing that I want to see is underneath me. It just makes no sense. Stand somewhere else. Get a better view. Anyway, not that St. Louis has like any really good views, but whatever. You want to see the arch. If you're looking at St. Louis, you have to see the arch or else it's just, a, it's might as well be like, I don't even know. What's another boring Midwestern city? Most of them? I don't know. What, <laughs> whatever. Um, anyway, <laughs> the top. And uh, they know a kid is coming. And so Annabeth kind of, uh, they, they go to pull the fire alarm. And I was like, listen, I will stay back here. I will fend her off. I will, you know, take some of the heat. You guys go complete the mission. Do what you got to do. Okay. It's going to be fine. And Percy's like, oh, yeah, it's great. And then as they go, Percy gets her behind the door, closes and locks the door and is like, no. This is on me. He takes ownership. He takes some control of the situation. And uh, Echidna walks up with a chimera that's there. Of course, the chimera is uh, the demigod killer, as uh, it is referred to by Percy and Annabeth. It sort of breathes fire onto the ground, and Echidna sort of waves her hands and opens up a big you know, hole in the arch there. Percy gets knocked over. We see him kind of hanging on as best that he can. Uh, but unfortunately, he didn't have a chance no one gave it to him as he falls down is not able to maintain his grip and he gets stuck under water the water sort of catches him and drags him down and where we end the episode is some kind of water spirit i don't know that it was insanely clear from the way that this episode ended but some kind of water spirit here that's like trust me trust yourself trust your instincts and just breathe the same thing that 
he told his mother and subsequently he told his mother that she always tells him just breathe as he is underwater to end this episode also i'll just say this melissa kind of a short episode here only like 33 32 minutes something like that yeah um so first of all the chimera is super cute and i want one um so that that was kind of my main uh takeaway from this whole section here uh but yeah and then at the end i was very like oh who is this what is going on here uh but if the percy can breathe underwater thing felt very uh well like uh, that was very clear to me that that was going to come throughout the entire episode um but it was still cool and it was yeah i didn't mind um a shorter episode but it was a bit like oh wow we are already halfway through the story and we're getting short episodes there's like not going to be a ton of content left in the story but then again i guess it is a children's book so there's only so much to get through but yeah yeah, I was going to say it's interesting because there are definitely things that we're cutting from the book. And again, another preview for the book club podcast. We, I mean, we cut a whole chapter. Like there are things that we have cut from the book that I feel like would not have taken a lot of time to or, or have been very difficult to film and add in. Um, but that being said here, this is how our interaction with Echidna, at least at this point, Todd, is over as Percy falls from the arch into the water. What you make of this ending? Yeah, I thought it was uh, pretty well done. I will say... Uh... I like the look of the chimera, but that's not what the chimera looks. That's not what a chimera is supposed to look like. Yeah. Chimera has looks like a lion that has a goat's head growing out of its back and a snake's head for a tail. This was not a chimera. Uh, it was like really cool looking, but I was really disappointed not to see that fire breathing goat's head poking out the back of this thing. <laughs> uh, so that's like probably like outside of the a temple's a temple that's probably my biggest complaint about the episode is you get say chimera i want to see me an actual chimera but uh other than that you know, i thought it was a, a pretty good um it was a, a pretty short confrontation uh all told between them i don't know if we're gonna get a whole lot more uh of uh, echidna and the chimera with the changes they made to the adaptation i don't know where it's gonna go from here um but I thought it was like uh, an interesting way to end up. I, I do like Percy. And, you know, basically he tricks Annabeth. Like he is actually like going to give her his sword so that she can fight it off. And then as she reaches for it, he grabs her and shoves her out the door instead. So that's a nice little bit of trickery there. Uh, but I like him like being willing to sacrifice himself. A, uh, saying like, they're not going to be able to heal me anyway. I'm probably, you know, it's, it's better for you guys to save yourselves. You're more competent than I am. You're better trained than I am. You guys can do it and I will hold them off so you can survive. I thought it was like a really great hero moment for Percy to kind of stand up and a uh, sacrifice himself for his friends, uh, which a uh, thing that happened earlier in the episode, I want to make sure he mentions like he almost called Annabeth his friend. And she's like, Oh, I hear the Oracle laughing somewhere. Cause you almost called me your friend, which is right before Percy collapses. Um, you know, I liked it. Uh, the I was not expecting the water to reach out and grab Percy and drag him out to the bay. That was kind of interesting uh, because as he started falling, I'm like, okay, he's not really over the water. How is he going to get over to the water? And then, oh, the water came to him. All right, cool, cool. 
Yeah, I mean, not that I have ever jumped out of the arch. Uh, I mean, there there does exist water in that space, although admittedly, not all of, uh, you know, not all of that space. Like, it's not, you know, it, it's not like the full length side to side. There's like plenty of land also in between. So I don't know. Um, I thought it was fine having the water give some agency. I also think it was kind of uh, uh, Poseidon give some agency, I suppose. And then having sort of that be juxtaposed with Percy saying like three minutes ago, I, you know, I father had a chance, right? So, and so, so we kind of are getting a little bit of that relationship there. Interested to see how much more they do with it um, in the context of this particular story. I suspect quite a bit because it's been a pretty consistent theme overall. Um, but I do like how they're sort of weaving things that weren't really connected in in that way in the book into uh, these these sort of themes in the show. So I am I am enjoying that. Um, and this was fun. I thought it was a great episode. Uh, one more just uh, shouts to uh, Suzanne Cryer because truly Echidna, I think, was the highlight of this episode for me. Her monologue earlier was just spectacular. I was completely obsessed with it in every single way. Like Melissa said before, I love doing this to fictional characters. It is my bread and butter. Todd, you have been on on, on both sides of this for me. Uh, and it's uh, it's always a blast, right? Oh yeah, yeah. I've I've helped plan doing that to players, and I've been a player who's had it done to him. So uh, yeah, yeah, just good stuff. Uh, good stuff all around here. Okay, that is episode four of Percy Jackson. I plunged to my death, but thank goodness we are not done here on the podcast because as we do every episode, we have a special sort of god of the week if you will of sorts or some some kind of something we've been we've been pretty loosey-goosey we're willing to be pretty loosey-goosey whatever we want to do is fine and uh unlike previous episodes where melissa and i came up with the uh the 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 special you know uh individual that we'll be talking about this week this time todd has so graciously offered to share with us um someone someone who you enjoy so todd uh the floor is all yours who is our god of the week this week Okay, so the fact that you're actually just calling it God of the Week instead of what you had been calling it definitely affects my <laughs> my choice here. Uh, because before it was, what, the uh, underappreciated God of the Week or something like that? Underrated God of the Week. Underrated God of the Week. And the God that I wanted to talk about, I would not call an underrated God. Uh, so I actually had a different choice. But now we're just going to be God of the Week. I'm going to talk about the God that was my favorite yeah, as a kid. You can do whatever you want yeah. to do, Todd. Truly. Yeah. So, uh, so anyway, because I was trying to think, how could I somehow get Hermes to be an underrated god? I don't <laughs> think that I could have gotten there. Uh, but yeah, Hermes is uh, the god that I want to talk about a little bit. Uh, we got to see just a little bit of Hermes in the previous episode. Uh, I'm sure we'll get to see more of him since they cast Lin-Manuel Miranda. You're not going to just get like one scene of, of Lin-Manuel Miranda as Hermes probably. Uh, but Hermes is known as the, the messenger of the gods, uh, which is something that came kind of later based on what some of the things that he stands for. He was the god of boundaries, the god of roads and travelers. He's also a psychopomp, which means that he uh, escorts the spirits of the dead to the underworld. Uh, but he's also the god of thieves, the god of wit and politics, diplomacy and humor. And he's a trickster god. Uh, which is something that I don't know is like a lot of people think about her. They you think about Hermes, you think about he being him being fast, him having the wings, him holding the caduceus, which is the the staff with the two snakes uh going around it. But he was a, a trickster god basically from the day he was born. He was born, he's the son of Zeus and a Pleiad uh, named uh, Maya. And the day he was he was born in the morning, and by the evening. In his swaddling clothes, he got out of the cave where he was born, went and found his big brother Apollo's cattle, 
stole the cattle, put boots on their feet so that they wouldn't leave cattle tracks with the people tracks so Apollo couldn't track them. And finally, Apollo, being a god of prophecy and seers, was able to track him down and was ready to smite him, even though he's a babe in swaddling clothes. And Zeus says, no, you can't kill the little baby, even though he did this. But also, after stealing the cattle, Hermes had found a turtle shell and used it to create the very first lyre and was playing the lyre. And Apollo's like, okay, I like that. You can have the cattle if you give me the lyre. And so Hermes created the lyre and gave it to Apollo. And that for he was forgiven for stealing his brother's cattle and a, uh, all of that. Again, not even a day old. Not even a day old, and Hermes is stealing cattle and creating musical instruments. Uh, there's just lots of really interesting, cool stories about Hermes. That's one of my favorites. It's one that, as a kid, that one like really sparked my imagination because like the uh, the mythology book I had has this picture in it of little baby Hermes flying through the air with these cattle following him, and I just like was obsessed with that story as a kid. So that's why Hermes is my god of the week. Amazing. Uh, we love to see it. Todd, what is your um, just ideal crossover here between Hermes and Hamilton? What do you want to see Lin Miranda come up and sing next episode? Oh my goodness, putting me on the spot. I mean, I would love to have some sort of like, I mean, King the King George's song is like my favorite uh, from, so I'd love to see a uh, You'll Be Back in, in some way, shape, or form. I doubt we'll be getting that, but uh, that would be uh, amazing. Okay. And I know, uh, Melissa, you and I have already talked about the uh, Hades Town crossover. Uh, stay tuned for the uh, book club podcast. There could uh, potentially be some, potentially, depending on how much time I find myself having in the next couple of days, but there could potentially be some stuff happening there. Yeah. There could potentially be lyrics already written for potentially something happening, but there might be. Yeah, there might be. It might, uh, for the first time, maybe ever, I might be the holdup in, in terms of the production <laughs> of any of these songs. Um, we'll see. We'll see. That's a book club podcast only though. You know where you can find that book club podcast, patreon.com slash poster recaps. Come join the fun. Um, if anything is posted on book club podcast, it will also be posted in the discord as well, which you will have access to if you are a patron of Poster Recaps. What a ton of fun this has been. Todd, thank you so much for being here today. You said you enjoyed this episode. I am looking forward uh, to, to your thoughts and everyone else's thoughts on the rest of this series. What's the Just as we go off here, what's the one thing that you are hopeful that we will get in the next four episodes? What's one thing you really want to see the show nail? Oh, wow. Uh, that's a good question. Um yeah, I'm I'm drawn to I, I think the the journey to the underworld I think has like a lot of potential for some really really cool stuff. So I'm really hoping that they they nail that sequence. Okay. I, I, I yeah, I think there's a lot there that could be uh could be very, very interesting. And we are certainly going to get a good chunk of it. The only other question, Todd, I know we're like basically at the end of this podcast. Did you ever watch the Percy Jackson movie that came out like a, a dozen years ago-ish? Yeah. Okay. I remember very little about it. You know, I, I know I saw it. I definitely, I know there are lots of haters. I don't remember like hating it, but I don't remember loving it either. It okay. was just kind of there for me, I think. Yeah. The only reason I bring it up now is just because I think that they actually handled the under underground sequence really well in, in that movie. I really did enjoy that part of it. So um, anyway, Melissa, we talked about watching that potentially uh, later after, yeah. uh, after the show's over. So that could be a ton of fun as well. Again, Todd, thank you so much for being here. Is there anything you want people to go check out? Where can people find you? What are you doing these days? 
Uh, you can find me on most social media platforms at Librarian Todd because Todd Librarian has too many characters. You can also find me every week over on One Indescribable Podcast where Adam, TV, Lindy, and I are currently going through season two of Girls 5 Eva. And we recently have started our new little side project uh, under the One Indescribable Podcast banner, Previous Little Liars, where we're going through every episode of season one of Previous Little Liars, but we are only doing it uh, by watching the previously ons. I'm the only member of the group who's actually seen season one of Priel Liars, so I'm in the discussion as Adam, Lindy, and Marissa all try to figure out what the heck is going on on this show, which is very confusing even if you do watch the full episodes. So listening to them try to theorize about what's going on just from these like three-minute uh, clips that the editors have decided to put together uh there's this, this big thing that's been referred to as the jenna thing and like the, from the very first episode we have recorded a ways ahead and they keep referring to the jenna thing and even though i'm pretty sure on the show we already knew what it was in the previously ons it still has not been actually spelled out what the jenna thing is which is really fun to listen to the three of them trying to figure out what the heck the jenna thing might be yeah, it's really funny. Sarah was like, you still don't know what the Jenna thing is? And I'm like, I, I have no idea. I mean, obviously, like, everyone who watches the show is supposed to know just based on the reactions of everything. We have no clue. We have no idea what's going on. Yeah, spoiler alert for that whole podcast. We have no clue what's going on. <laughs> Melissa, are you a big Pretty Little Liars person? I watched all of it very begrudgingly. So it, it's filmed on the Gilmore Girls lot. I sort of felt an obligation to, like watch it and then you sort of get into it and you're like maybe one day this show will make sense and i'll have any idea what's happening in it and no it doesn't i have no memory of what the jenna thing is either and i watched the entire show so nice. i'm very looking forward to hearing your thoughts on it and i'll be like you know what it all sounds perfectly plausible to me because i have no memory of what happened other than like some pretty shitty stuff at the very very beginning um and then yeah basically once we get about two episodes in i stop having any idea of what happens uh, do you just mean murder? Like, is that the, is that the stuff? Like, what are, I don't know. Oh, I don't know. I, I mean, also the murder. Uh, <laughs> I was talking about the, like, inappropriate relationships on the show. Uh, Arya and Ezra. Wait, they're not yeah. whole show? I'm shipping them. I'm, oh, I thought I was supposed to like them. Anyway, okay. Melissa. He's our uh, teacher. <laughs> this is, it's. I don't know what you know. I don't yeah. know. I yeah. should stop yeah. saying yeah. things. Just yeah. Yeah, he knows that because we watched the whole. We, we, the only thing we have watched is the whole first episode, but also, you know. Oh, okay, okay, perfect. No one else in the pod was a, a sticking up for Arya and Ezra, so Adam felt he had to. Someone yeah. has to. It's it's Adam, so yeah, someone has to. Um, listen, the harder you work to understand, <laughs> the harder it is to understand. Melissa, what else do you got going on? What are you doing these days? Where can people find you? Uh, not much. It's this and Doctor Who. We did our Christmas special recording, so that's out now and a really great time to just kind of jump in and check out the new Doctor Who is incredible and I'm so excited and it looks like from the end of that episode we're going to have new Doctor Who coming in 2024, uh, spring of 2024, I believe. So again, if you like haven't been following along up until now, that'll be a great time to jump in because previous doctor who stuff you know you know i haven't watched all of doctor who we, you can just jump in whenever so highly recommend checking that out uh follow me on social media melissa w28 or melissa woodward 28 and yeah otherwise talking percy jackson and we're having a great time doing that yeah uh this is uh, melissa this really has been so much fun i have loved every second of this excited to do it uh, all over again in the future. I am Adam H. You can find me on Twitter, Panda and Adam One, as well as every single week of from One to Describe a Podcast. I already talked about that, but that's One CXG Podcast on Twitter. 
Girls 5 Eva, Previous Little Liars. Uh, we just did Hairspray, 13 Going on 30, all kinds of stuff. Go check that out over there. Todd, you and I are also talking Monarch Legacy of Monsters. The final couple of episodes are uh, currently airing, and so you can check that out over here on Poster Recaps. Like Melissa said, we're talking Doctor Who. We did the Christmas special also on Poster Recaps. We're hoping to get back into, uh, I believe, Season 6 coverage there. Another just outstanding season of Doctor Who that we will be uh, back on the B-Tour before spring of 2024 to get us new Doctor Who. I'm also talking Final Fantasy 9 with the amazing Brooklyn Zed over there as well on Potion Recaps. But we will be back. Melissa, you and I are going to be back with a very special guest for the Book Club Podcast. So remember, if you are a patron of Potion Recaps, you can come join the Book Club Podcast. We are going to be having Alex on the podcast, one of the hosts of the Fantasy Queens podcast. Uh, we She plays DD with us. She's a Potion Recaps patron. We love talking with her and spending time with her. I know this series means a lot to her as well. And we are going to get a fantastic perspective of someone who you probably don't hear from very often uh, in, in, in this realm. So please go check that out. I am so excited to talk about that. But of course, you and I will be back next week to talk to Percy Jackson, episode five. And until then, bye.